0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer I want to continue studying the Apostles' Creed, what it teaches us, and how it uh, sets—you uh, know—it just sets the bar of what it is uh, that we believe and. Um, you know, it, it ensures these, these creeds and confessions, while we, we know that Scripture alone is our authority, but our, the creeds and confessions help us, they're, they're like guardrails, you know, they make sure that we're staying on track with uh, Scripture. And um, so the Apostles' Creed gives the very minimal uh, of the guardrails. Um, and so tonight, you know, we looked at the person of Christ, want to talk a little bit about how What it says about now his person, uh, how it's played out in his life and in his ministry, he has these titles and then how these titles were born out in his life. Because, you know, you have these titles, they should be born out in your life. I don't know if any of you have been following kind of, I don't know if you want to call it the craziness or the drama or whatever, you know, about the royal family in Great Britain because you know, Harry and Meghan kind of fell out with the rest of the royal family, and they decided, hey, we're, we're going to air all our dirty laundry on a Netflix show or whatever, and then write a book about it, and all 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 this uh, other stuff. And you know, the, the, from what I can tell, the rest of the royal family's not really addressing it, they're just like, whatever. Um, but you know, with, uh, char- it, boy, it, it's still hard to say King Charles. I mean, all my life I've been saying Queen Elizabeth. But uh, King Charles, you know, his coronation's going to be coming up. And so it will be interesting about what happens there. But there's also this big hoopla about titles. So I guess the king or the queen or whatever, they, they determine the titles. And Harry and Meghan want to make sure, I don't know if they want to make sure they have titles, but I know they, they want to make sure their kids have certain titles. And, you know, it's the king who gives them these titles, and I think, I mean, I'm not British, obviously, but I I think that the king could even take away titles, I mean, just completely strip you of titles or whatever. But I find it funny, all these people are wanting these titles, and it makes me wonder if their actions are in line with the titles that they're wanting or that they have or, or whatever. So, you know, okay, Harry, you want the title Prince, are you acting like one? all right charles you got the title king are you acting like one does your life bear out the title that um that you have or that you're claiming to have and you know we looked at the names and the titles uh, of jesus and we find that his life bears witness to the truth of those titles those those titles And names, they bear witness to his essence and his nature and his work and his actions on the earth. And then, you know, the Apostles' Creed tells us that his life and death and resurrection demonstrate who he is and the truthfulness of the titles given to him. And so what it does is it highlights... the the Apostles' Creed highlights events that prove to us Jesus is who he claims to be. So let me reread uh, the first two sections of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. So the titles that that are given, or that the Apostles' Creed points out, his names and titles, you know, he points out he was given the name Jesus, and the name Jesus means Yahweh saves, and That is exactly what he accomplished. He saves God's people from their sins. He is Jesus the Christ. Christ is the Greek version of the word Messiah, which means anointed one. That had special meaning for the Jews. It pointed to prophets, priests, and kings. Jesus is the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. It says he is the only begotten. He is the unique son of God. He shares in the nature and essence of of God the Father it says he is Lord his Lord and master meaning that he is God and he's in charge what wonderful names they are the names given of Jesus Christ the only begotten Son of God our Lord how do we know though that these titles these names are who he is, that they reflect him. Well, the creed highlights his life. And first, it speaks about the historical fact of his birth and the uniqueness of his birth. No one was born quite like Jesus because it says Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary. We're familiar with the Christmas story. We just celebrated Christmas about a month ago. And uh, we're familiar, the interchange of, between Gabriel and Mary when it was announced to her what God had planned to do. And this kind of lays out this, uh, what the creed is saying. And so I want to read from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 35. And this is what Luke records for us. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Yeah, this was not going to be an ordinary birth. But it was all part of God's plan. It was all From before the foundation of the world, the plan of redemption was put in place. But was the virgin birth necessary for God to do what he had planned to do? And the answer is yes. In fact, the virgin birth was foretold from near the very beginning of our scripture and very near the beginning of time because it was foretold after Adam and Eve had fallen and you know in Genesis chapter 3 Adam and Eve sinned they decided to rebel against God God handed down curses to all of the parties involved Adam Eve and the serpent but there's an interesting prophecy that is given by God that declares the ultimate defeat of the serpent at the hand of a human offspring. In something that is in theological circle, circles referred to as the proto evangelium, and all that term means is first gospel. I mean, it is the gospel, it's the first revealing of the gospel, it's the first revealing of the plan of redemption. And this is the way it's described. And from the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, it points to the uniqueness of Christ's birth. So in Genesis 3.15, God, he's cursing the serpent, and this is what he says to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So God says that the seed of the woman would bruise or crush the head of the serpent. Now, it's interesting that God describes it as a battle between the woman and her seed versus the serpent and his seed. It doesn't call them the offspring of Adam. It doesn't say the offspring of man. It would be a special offspring of the woman that would conquer the serpent and those that were under his sway. So the virgin birth is prophesied in that it would be the offspring of woman, not the offspring of man. And we'll get into a little bit into why that is in just a minute. But this supernatural birth was prophesied elsewhere. Now we're very familiar with, we read it and hear it every christmas time in isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 where god said through isaiah therefore the lord himself will give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name emmanuel and then in the gospels we are told that this prophecy was fulfilled in christ in matthew chapter 1 verses 22 and 23 It says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's who Jesus is. He's God with us. And so, yes, this is a a very important doctrine. Now, I don't know if we ever think of it this way, because we might not always make that connection. But the virgin birth... Jesus' unique birth is a gospel issue. because without the conception by the Holy Spirit and the birth from a virgin, there is no gospel for us to speak of. There is no gospel without the virgin birth. Paul thought it was important to the whole message. So he shared, for example, in Galatians chapter four, verses four through six. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that he might receive that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, "Abba, Father." God sent his son born of a woman without the virgin birth there is no gospel. Without the gospel, there is no salvation. Without salvation, we are not children of God. We are enemies of God. And so, without the virgin birth, everything else tumbles. And you will notice, when you hear... Theologians, well, supposed theologians, those, those who want to undermine the Christian faith, those who want to, want to undercut the Christian faith, they will attack at one of two points. They will either attack the resurrection of Jesus Christ, or they will attack the virgin birth. The reason these two events in Jesus' life that they attack is because they are trying to deny anything supernatural i mean virgin birth is obviously supernatural and they're trying to deny it because they want to deny miracles and they want to deny everything else so they do it first to undermine the supernatural but then they also do it to undermine christ's identity and you undermine christ's identity you undermine the entire gospel and so it is not exaggeration to say that if you undermine the virgin birth all the other critical doctrines of the Christian faith are gonna tumble right along with it that's why Al Mohler put it this way he said without the virgin birth Christ is not God if Christ was not conceived by the Holy Spirit then he must have a human father and thus he is not divine also without the virgin birth the gospel does not provide salvation If the virgin birth is a lie, then Jesus could never reverse the curse and save sinners. Moreover, if Christians Christians deny the virgin birth and treat the conception of the Holy Spirit as a myth, then they threaten a whole range of other Christian doctrines, including the truthfulness of Scripture, the humanity of Christ, the sinfulness of Christ, sinlessness of Christ, and the nature of grace. Christians today must affirm the virgin birth of Christ. Indeed, the Christian faith and the Bible on which that faith stands demands it. So here's the thing. In order for Christ to be able to fully atone for sin, he had to be both God and man. He had to be. And without the virgin birth, he ain't. Which is terrible English, I know. But he's not. He, He is not both God and man. Because... I mean, let's think about it this way. First, if Jesus was conceived in the natural way, he could not be both God and man. And in order for him to be the the uh, the mediator between God and man, he had to be both God and man. So God had to be part of the conception for Jesus to carry with him the divine nature that he already had from eternity. So yes, this is a gospel issue. Yes, this is important theologian Wayne Grudem he summarized the importance of this when he wrote this he said God in his wisdom ordained a combination of human and divine influence in the birth of Christ so that his full humanity would be evident to us from the fact of his ordinary human birth from a human mother and his full deity would be evident from the fact of his conception in Mary's womb by the powerful work of the Holy Spirit and so without the virgin birth he is not both god and man but another thing we need to point out is without the virgin birth he would not be the sinless savior i mean if he was going to be the savior of humanity he himself could have no sin that sinful human nature could not have been passed down to him and it would have been passed down to him from a human father because what we glean from scripture is that the sin nature is passed down through adam and through men and so the, the guilt of sin is passed there we see this maybe in romans 5 verses 18 and 19 therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men for as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous and so i mean it's kind of pointed out adam was the one that trespassed he's the one that rebelled eve may have been tricked Adam rebelled. And so the one trespass in Adam is passed down throughout mankind through men. But since Jesus does not descend from Adam in that way, he does not participate in that common calamity or common condition that we are all in. Therefore, he had to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. But to prove and ensure that there was no human father, he had to be born of a virgin. Both of those points are important. Because if she were not a virgin, his birth would have been dismissed as just another human birth like everybody else. But the virgin birth by conception of the Holy Spirit ensured that the child would be God and human. And that the child would be sinless, not having the guilty sin nature passed down from generation to generation. But no, another consideration is that the virgin birth being a miraculous event highlights the supernatural nature of redemption. I mean, it. our salvation is supernatural. Uh, that's the thing. We have a supernatural God who sent a supernatural savior so that he could save us supernaturally and yet he did it within the realm of history because of the nature of his birth and the nature that he carries as the god man he is able to satisfy god's justice and he's able to extend god's love to humanity humanity needed a perfect savior but humanity would never have been able to find a perfect savior amongst their own kind so God had to act. God had to intervene, and therefore God sent His Son. And because Jesus is both God and man, He is able to be that mediator. We can believe the supernatural elements of Christianity, because without the supernatural of Christianity, supernatural elements of Christianity, there is no Christianity. Without the supernatural elements, there is no salvation but he did. He took our sin, he died, he rose again. And because of the virgin birth, we can also believe the substitutionary atonement and the resurrection. And so we mention the doctrine of the virgin birth first. Well, obviously because it's the first part of his earthly life, but we can say we mention it first. It's the first state of belief within the creed, because if you are not able to agree with that one part, you're not gonna be able to agree to any of it, because it all hinges on this one part. As theologian Donald MacLeod wrote, he said, the virgin birth is posted on guard at the door of the mystery of Christianity, and none of us must think of hurrying past it. It stands on the threshold of the New Testament, blatantly supernatural, defying our rationalism, informing us that all that follows belongs to the same order as itself and that if we find it offensive there is no reason to proceed any further if you can't hold to the virgin birth then don't worry about anything else because none of the nothing else makes sense without the virgin birth and so clayton bell lists some practical consequences of the virgin birth one the fully human and fully divine natures of christ make christ the perfect revealer of god in terms that human beings can understand. Second, the fully human and fully divine natures of Christ make him the perfect mediator between God and men. He redeemed us, he paid for us, he speaks for us before the Father. And third, if God can bring life into the womb of a young virgin, God can bring life into our dead, sinful human nature and produce new lives that also make us children of God. You get this part wrong, you get everything else wrong. But thankfully, this is historically true and accurate. We have a supernatural Savior. And for those of us who have believed, we can rest in this doctrine because we are secured in the hands of the supernatural Savior. And if there's any who have not yet believed, you can know the lengths to which God went to reach you in order to save you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he was born of the Virgin Mary. And we want to pray that others would come to that same belief. I mean, that for some, that's a sticking point. The virgin birth is a sticking point. Well, I mean, if you can't get past that point, you're not going to... His death resurrection ascension and his return are not going to make any sense if we don't start here and so we want to pray that god would open up the eyes of the spiritually blind so that they would know they would see and they would believe thanks for listening to the podcast of harvest baptist church for more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry at Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 AM. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.